Canuck Central in the Kintech studio. Stan Richo and Satyar Shah. You can listen on the podcast, hour one of the show. Are you optimistic or pessimistic about Horvat getting an extension from the Vancouver Canucks? Also, an exclusive conversation with Brock Besser. Canucks forward, his offseason, some stuff on the power play that was super interesting, and more with the Canucks number six. So you can check that out on all of your favorite podcatchers. Subscribe, leave a review. We do appreciate it. You can also listen live if you happen to be able to on your smart speaker. We've even got a Twitter stream. You can watch us, which I don't know if that's always the most fun thing. Why not? I don't know. Why are you diminishing our I don't know, our because content? like I'll start staring at the camera like awkwardly like this, and people might get weirded out. I don't know. They'd have to watch to Why are you out. putting that in people's heads? <laughs> We're supposed to do positive, like, you know, advertisement, the promotion. Yes. Dan's like, okay, I don't know. Okay. Man, don't, don't put on this creepy stream because you may not want to watch us anymore. Yeah. It's, it's reverse psychology. <laughs> or you could just watch me drink my Spro during the entire show. How about that? Does that work? You have a giant <laughs> bottle of water. With a sippy cup. <laughs> Stay hydrated. It's very nice, the sippy cup, it you know? Nice, yeah. Like, it just, it it encourages me to drink. It's like a pacifier. <laughs> this isn't a weird thing, is it? <laughs> well, now that I mean, it's, it's like a pacifier, yeah, it's, it's kind of a weird tune, thing. Tune into the stream to watch uh, Reach suck on a pacifier. <laughs> it's probably, That'll get people okay, tuning in. Maybe the weirdest thing is that I called it a sippy cup, <laughs> <Yeah>. but like... <laughs> I guess that's what it is. Like, it's just, you know, I I uh, tend to not drink enough water during the day because I'm always drinking my coffee. coffee yeah, yeah. Um, does coffee dehydrate? This helps. It does. Uh, apparently. It I don't know. Man. But it speeds up your metabolism, so. <laughs> yes, it does. Pros and cons. <laughs> coffee makes me feel good, okay? I get that uh, yeah. injection of dopamine, and I'm like, let's go. Yeah. I'm happy again. <laughs> Dan, Dan and can. And the know. crash is like, eh. Well, that's, that's when you have another spro. Yeah, that's it. Just keep that high going, baby. That's how it works. It doesn't end. <laughs> this hour is brought to you by Andrew Sherritt Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company, helping local business since 1892. So, yes, you can watch us on stream during the course of the show as well. Uh, day two of training camp. We've talked a lot about Nils Hoaglander already. Mm-hmm. Um, the coach, among other things, had some things to say about Nils Hoaglander today. Let's listen in on Bruce Boudreaux in his day two takeaways from training camp. So far, he's looked really steady. Like, he's, he looks like, you know, you can tell he's been in the NHL. His angles are really good. You know, I mean, uh, um, when, you play, when you play on another team, you don't notice a player sometimes. That's a defensive, you know, player. But uh, you certainly um, can tell that he's been in the NHL before he looks healthy he looks he looks ready to play so that's that's a real good sign uh, first impressions uh, in a scrimmage environment of Quinn Hughes on the right side he could play left right middle doesn't matter where he plays he's good like I mean uh, he likes it and uh, if he's comfortable at it it's that's more important than whether I like him there and he said he really likes it there he told me that today so you know we'll keep doing it until uh, till something better comes along Steve Giuseppe seemed to be around the puck a lot. Do you really, like him? Really played well and practiced well. And uh, you just wonder, like, I mean, I know he had tons of injuries last couple of years, but uh, 
uh, he certainly looks like he's pushing for a position on this team. Think of Michael, sorry if you already answered this yesterday about Coos, but um, maybe even more creativity than you might have initially thought besides the great shot. Well, he is creative. I mean, anytime he's got the puck, he's dangerous. I mean, he's got such good hand skills, and the shot is pretty dynamic uh, from what I've seen so far. You know, There's only one Coos in this market, though. <laughs> <Rob>. Yeah. <laughs> what are your impressions of... Uh, Jack Rathbone. I know he was a, a guy who was at least on your radar at the end of last season. It didn't kind of I think work out. I think a lot of things will determine with Jack will be the preseason games. And, uh, you know, he's slated to play as many as, as six of them. So uh, we'll get a real good look at him more than in a scrimmage. Sometimes you get in the scrimmage or practice, you're, you're practicing and then scrimmaging and scrimmaging then practicing. It's, it's not the ideal situation, but I mean, uh, um, I think we'll see more about him and we'll evaluate him more on the games. If Quinn sticks on the right side, obviously that creates an opening on the left, but given the style of player that he is, does it make it give a little more opportunity to him rather than have two of those guys on the left side? Yeah, I mean, I guess. I mean, uh, to me then, we had a lot of times last year when Shen played the left side, when Pullman played the left side, and somebody, if we keep that, then one of those guys might be the guy moving over. So, or Jack's going to, you know, take that position and then move somebody else. I mean, I think the defense have really shown up and did a great job so far. You know, I mean, uh, from Rathbone to um, Burroughs, uh, to everybody, to, you know, to DeKaiser, to everybody. How does Pod Colson look to you? Um, you know what? He looks. He's in such fabulous shape, and he just. He. The problem is every mistake that he makes, he. It sort of wears on him. So I've just told him to relax. He's a really good player. He's going to be a real good player, you know. Uh, and uh, so we we put him on, back on the left side to make things a little more comfortable for him. Is it? Do you think it wears on him because he has such high expectations for himself? It wouldn't surprise me. You know, I mean, he he does everything right and wants to do everything right. So when perfection isn't there, then he gets down on himself, and that's where we got to keep lifting him up. How much growth did you see in his game in the time that he was with you last year? Well, I mean, from the time I first got there till the time at the end, like, I mean, he was scoring at a pretty regular rate at the end of the season. Now, I know it's supposed to sit there and say well it's easier to score at the end of the season sometimes when you're playing non-playoff or non-important games but he showed me he can he can play and uh, like I said he's he's so strong uh, I really see a good future for him. Coach how do you approach players who are on PTOs do you, do you watch them differently than the other players? <laughs> no, uh, you know, no. I just, uh, I just tell them if the if they need to pick it up or if they uh, if they're doing a really good job, keep going. We'll see in the games. So I mean, nothing really different. I think guys that are on PTOs know they're on PTOs. Know they have to be good. Probably know that they have to be better than good to supplant somebody that's already here. How difficult is that to to take the job of someone who's already on the roster? Well, I mean, it's it's never easy, but it gets done every year by somebody. Do you think that, I mean, typically those guys obviously have played in the league and paid dues. Do you think uh, it's the right thing to do for the PTO guys to put them somewhere in the lineup that look feels like an NHL spot to give them a, a chance? In the well, I think like with, with Danny, that's why he's with Tyler. You know, I mean, uh, uh, he's with an NHL guy. We want to put him in a position to succeed, to show us his best 
play rather than uh, putting him in with some untested young guy that's more nervous than he is, uh, you know, like comfortable type thing. So, I mean, it's, I think it's important, and it's, a, it's important to, to play guys, um, you know, wh- where their comfort level is. Like, I th- you know, you look at that uh, uh, JT line out there today. I think they're moving the puck around. They're going into the right positions. They're doing a lot of really good things. Looks really I, determined. I was going to say, let me talk about Hoggy because I think he's the best player on the ice right now. He looks so much faster than he did last year. Determination. Um, uh, he's, uh, he's definitely, you know, he's definitely ready. And, you know, I think last year was a little bit of a setback for him and he doesn't want it to happen again. So much of, uh, of him where it seems, based on what you said and Travis as well, about his play away from the puck, which obviously is harder to gauge. Well, young you know. guys, it's always yeah. the hardest thing, you know. I mean, so uh, hopefully he learned a lot last year, you know, and uh, it'll again. He's going to be another one playing a lot of preseason games, and we'll we'll see how it goes. But I, I certainly have liked exactly what he's shown. You know, let's let's call it like it is. Only two days. Like I mean, so I mean, a lot of guys can look great in two days. Let's see how they look in ten days. You know. That was going to be my question. To you actually. How do you weight what you see this weekend versus sort of the long haul, the long distance still to travel in terms of some of these roster battles? Yeah, I mean, it's if they do great, an individual does great this weekend, To he has to do it again. If it's a guy that's sort of like challenging for a job. If he does it the one time and then in game six he's still in there and he hasn't done much since then, whether it's offensive or defensive, then it's it's... It, it doesn't have a lot of uh, clout game one. But if he's consistently doing well, then all of a sudden, you know, it, it makes a difference. Do you notice, whether it's pace or just sort of overall uh, defensive stuff in the scrimmages, uh, sort of just a, just an adjustment period from guys coming over from leagues where they may be played on the bigger ice sheet, whether it's a Kuzmenko or a Linus well, Carlson? I, I don't know that. I mean, they've all had an awful lot of chances, mm-hmm. you know. So, I mean... Uh, Maybe it's good goaltending. Who knows? But uh, uh, I think not playing with players and you're putting a new team together almost on all three teams or new teams for each other, it makes it uh, you're more worried about making a mistake than making a great play. When do we get the pleasure of seeing your uh, skating test? I don't know. Tomorrow? Sometimes they don't need it. No, it's not going to happen tomorrow. It'll be back in, if we do it, it'll be back in uh, Vancouver. You're, you're kind of doing a little bit of it with your bigger group first, though, right? There is a fitness component toward the end of that test. What do you mean by that? Well, you're, there's skating some lines or what we would have Oh, those, those are guys that are just losing in the, the little games we're playing. Oh, okay, that's a So the losing team has got, got, to, has got to be some sort of value to winning, right? So, <laughs> I mean, that bill game that I call it, it yeah. is there was both, both days there's a winner and a loser, and we'll do a different game tomorrow mm-hmm. and there'll be a you know there's consequences yeah, yeah you structured all these drills well in advance like you said you had it all planned out so is it some part of it conditioning part of it how you want them to play ultimately your brand of hockey like well i, I no i really would like to to play an up tempo uh in your face kind of game like we played most of last year you know and and where you take time and space away and everything else, but we'll see if this group can play that way. Sometimes, if you find out you're not having success because they're not, they can't play the way you want them to play. You gotta 
dial it down and maybe play a different system. But this is how we're starting off in, in camp, and we'll see how it goes. Going back to Hoaglander, even though it's just two days, it seems at the very least it shows by him a response like to what happened last year or, or a desire. Do you, do you see it that way, that at the very well, least? Well, it's, it's definitely a response. He knew that, hey, you see who, you see, he saw who got signed and everything else and he's counting, and he's going, wow, I better get my stuff together. And he is. He's doing a great job. How do you feel about the Joshua Lazar Dickinson trio? Uh, you know what? Until you see them in a game and see how they're, you know, I think it's it's difficult for me to test. All, ne- all three of them have never played with each other. So, I mean, but if they're going to be an energy stop like, like line, we'll see how they play during the games. There is uh, Bruce Boudreaux speaking after day two of training camp mm-hmm. where Nils Hoaglander was the best player on the ice. Stole the show. Let me talk about Nils Hoaglander, yeah. Hoaglander for a minute. The Stop best player out there. talking about everybody else. I want to talk about King Nils Hoaglander. He did say, hey, it's only a couple days in camp and all yes. that sort of stuff. But considering considering how honest he was in criticizing Nils Hoaglander last year in training camp, I think it's notable that he was that effusive in his praise after two days of training camp mm-hmm. because this is somebody who hasn't been throwing the bouquets at Nils Hoaglander since taking over as a coach. If anything, we were kind of surprised that how honest he was about some of the shortcomings in Hoaglander's game last year, and we, and we talked about that quite a bit. And I was always skeptical, Dan, that Hoaglander's... Yeah. And I am still skeptical because it's only two days in camp that the Canucks don't have Hoaglander on the team by the time training camp and the preseason wraps up because he's one of their seven, eight, nine best forwards. Like, he's easily one of their nine best forwards, I think. So I just have a hard time seeing him not being on this team. But I'm happy for Niels that he he understood the assignment. He understood yeah. what they were trying to say. You're playing with Amon. You're playing with Car- Carlson. You're not being given a spot. You might start in the AHL. So you better show up, show up ready and give us something. And right away... He's given them something. So, okay, there's so many uh, thoughts I have thinking uh, after, <laughs> coming after after you just said that. Um, well, first off, I'll say this. Nils hasn't really, like, even in his rookie year, did he really have to fight for a spot? He was given a spot. I mean, he showed up in training camp, didn't assign anybody. They, they put him next to Bo Horvat on day one of training camp. They didn't have anybody. I mean, they had, had guys like Mark Michaelis playing games for them, and he was nowhere near ready playing NHL games that year for them. Yeah, so... He hasn't had to fight for a spot on the team. And I think that's important for him to go through that as a young player. But also, top nine, he's a top nine forward on this team. Who's he better than? I think at his best. Yeah. I think he is. I think his peak at his best, he's a better player than Tanner Pearson. I think he is. Pearson, what Pearson provides is more steady. He may be better as a third guy in the line than, than Hoaglander right now in terms of making the unit go. But as far as skill set and ability, I think t- Niels Hoaglander is the better player. We haven't have, seen him. You have more of a baseline from Pearson. Yes. Um, and I think that's what coaches often like about Tanner Pearson. And as good as Put Colson is and as good as his potential is, I'm not sure that right now Put Colson is is a more talented offensive player than Niels Hoaglander. I'm not sure he is yet. He yeah. can be. I don't know, know if he is. Better all around, a lot of maturity to his game. He does so many different things. But overall skills go, 
he he should be on this team. And with how he plays, and I saw people last yesterday we talked about this, and people pushed back and said he's he's too small. He's not the type of player you can have on your fourth line. I disagree with that. If you have Lazar and Dickinson or Lazar and Dakota Joshua, mm-hmm. those are two big, kind of fast, traditional fourth line guys. You can have another guy that's quick, that gets in on the four check, has a little bit of speed. He's a good four checker, right? He's really good at winning puck battles. He plays with intensity and he can be a pest and can be annoying to play against. So I think Hoaglander, as for all the talk about it's top nine or bust, I can see him earning a spot on the left wing on the fourth line or maybe pushing somebody down to the fourth line and, and taking a spot on the third line or something. But I think there's a spot here for Niels Hoaglander that's not necessarily top nine on day one of the season. I've always thought Hoaglander is, you know, one of the best 12 Canucks forwards. But reality check, sometimes a professional sports team isn't about, you know, bringing your best Mm -hmm. available squad. Asset management is a real thing. Do they want to, you know, sit Jason Dickinson and potentially further crater his value you know you see baseball teams do this all the time it, like yeah this guy's good enough for our 40-man roster but we don't want to dfa anybody and he's yeah. still got options so we're sending him back down yeah uh, you know, like this is it's the reality of the situation it is but at the same time it should be somewhat of a meritocracy and if you tell this guy to work on all these things and he shows up and does it and excels that's the biggest thing here like nils hoaglander essentially was asked like you have to come into camp next year and wow us and he's wowed them well, so At far, least to he start. Is. Yeah, yes. so, and he has to keep doing it, right? Like, if he keeps doing it. But I, I just have a hard time looking at this. I, I feel like sometimes Hoagland is being treated as a guy who's never played in the NHL. The man has 116 games under his yeah, belt. that's fair. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> this is his third season. It's fair. So, I don't know. I, I'm a bit – as much as I was critical of some of his game last year and we talked and critiqued him and talked about the things he has to improve, it's almost gone way too far the other way. Like, I'm not sh- – like, of all the things yeah. to surprise me, I'm not surprised that, uh, that Boudreaux's like, oh, Hoagland looks good to start training camp. It's like, yeah, he's I, a talented uh, player. The biggest thing that I took from from all of that from Boudreaux is that Hoaglander's faster. Yes. Yes, which is something he had to work on. Straight ahead speed. Are you a lot quicker? How does that? And again, he mentioned preseason for guys like Rathbone. Same thing for these guys. He mentioned Lazar and Joshua and Dickinson. How do they look? Well, we'll see in the preseason. These are just the markers, but it's encouraging to the point you're making here, Dan, that the first step, Hoaglander passed. The first thing you had to do was show up ready. First thing you had to do was show up and get off to a good impression, first impression. For your for your training camp this year, and he's done all that. So I think he came in ready, in good shape, worked on his game. He's a bit quicker, he's a bit faster, he's working his butt off. And through the first two days of camp, he's been the best player according to Bruce Boudreaux on the ice so far. And I think we should give him a lot of credit, and hopefully, that's a real positive sign for his development this year. A uh, couple of things, final things on on Hoaglander is our live listeners chime in on the Dunbar Lumber text mm-hmm. line. Asset management, he makes less than one million dollars. That's a poor take. Wasn't an asset management comment on Hoaglander other than he is available to go through to Abbotsford without, you know, he's waivers exempt still. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's an asset you can keep, whereas Jason Dickinson is an asset you'd like to rebuild some value in to try and move on and open up that cap space. That's what I meant by the asset management of the situation. And to your point, it's like if Hoaglander's not going to play every day, maybe just start off, if he's going to be a healthy scratch the first couple of games or start the road trip being the extra forward, okay, maybe may as well start an Abbotsford type of a deal. But is there a player you have to protect and you want to put Hoagliner down on waivers. I just, I'm just unsure about that. Yeah. So the question becomes, is it Phil DiGiuseppe? 
Yeah. That's essentially it, right? Phil DeGiuseppe, Dowling was injured right now. Are you worried about losing one of those guys on waivers? Because unless you want to go with nine defensemen and only have you yeah, know twelve forwards, unlikely. So so as far as making things fit, you still need a thirteen forward. You need thirteen forwards on the team. And who is it you're trying to put? If anything, I think they might have. If they signed to Kaiser, you have to worry about maybe losing a defenseman. Uh, another thing here, of course, he had to fight for a spot in his first season. What a ridiculous statement! He earned it. Uh, the the way I remember it, Sat, is like he showed up, he was next to Bo Horvat, and then you started to realize this is his spot to lose. It's like he he couldn't show up and you know look like he couldn't play in the no, NHL. No, I, I think the biggest thing about that year was I think the, the the point here is there wasn't anybody in front of him. He didn't have to really beat anybody out. Yes. There was a spot there very much for the taking. I mean, they didn't make the high more deal till later that year when they acquired mm-hmm. him for Godet. Then it picked up Travis Boyd on waivers and VC, Jimmy VC on waivers. Remember they picked up all these guys on waivers. They had yeah. no bodies. They didn't yeah. have players. They yeah. wouldn't sign anybody. Josh Levo. They weren't even signing guys for the minors. They, yeah. Josh, Josh Levo was so, way before, yeah. Josh Levo uh, left that year and went assigned with the Calgary Flames right. in a one-year deal. It was, uh, it was all the Maple Leafs. They kept taking off waivers. They signed Jace Harlock to a two-way deal. Remember, yeah. and Tyler Grayovac was playing a bunch of games for them that season. Your son. Yeah, I love Tyler Grayovac. <laughs> Mark Michaelis that year. a little year. bit of a year. <laughs> been a bit of a year. Mark Michaelis played 15 games for the Canucks oh, that man. year. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, quickly, uh, Ian McIntyre is going to join us. Um, I think the stuff on the defensive part was also very interesting there from Boudreau. Uh, he talked about Hughes on the right side, said Hughes has liked being on the right side and they're going to keep going with it. So until anything changes, they don't have anybody better. So it's, it's, they're going to keep working with that experiment. Yeah. I mean, it has to fall apart in a game. I yeah. Think. I think if, if they watch it in a game, they get him that they can't figure it out. That's when the switch happens. But and for now, they're sticking with it. I find it really unlikely that that pair is going to fail because it's just two really talented players. Yes. Uh, when he was asked about who could play the left side or who plays the left side that opens up with Quinn Hughes moving to the right, he mentioned, well, we played Shannon Pullman there on the left side mm-hmm. last year, so there's no reason we couldn't do that again. Yeah. I mean, he didn't mention DeKaiser, although he yeah. did say earlier when asked about opportunities, he said, yeah, he said good things about DeKaiser, why he's been in the league for a long time, and, you know, trying to figure out what he has right away and all those sort of things. So he, he said all, you know, a lot of positive things about him, but it's notable. This goes back to the discussion we had yesterday, and we talked about if Jack Rathbone, if Hughes plays on the right side and, and DeKaiser doesn't sign and Rathbone's not ready, you're talking about playing a righty on the left side. Yeah. And, you know, if Jack Rathbone is ready, you're faced with a situation of perhaps healthy scratching either Pullman or Luke Shen. And that's not a negative. It's just, it's the numbers, man. Yeah. <laughs> that's how the numbers look. Or Dermot. Or Dermot. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if Dermot gets, they just, they give up a third round pick to get him. Yeah. Just now. And he kind of profiles. I think they want to give it a, give it a chance. The guy to watch is, I think, is Rathbone. From a speed perspective, like, Dermot makes them faster. And I think they want to be a faster team. So Yeah, I mean, and, you know, 100%. Like, and, and even Rathbone, I think the reason they may send him down to begin with is if he's still good but not quite as good as they think, let's just give Shen and these guys, our veterans, a chance off the bat. Let these guys get the minutes, and then we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens in a couple weeks. Uh, so we'll keep talking about the training camp takeaways a full hour on this Ian McIntyre 
heard him asking a lot of those questions to Bruce Boudreaux. He is in Whistler. IMAX take on day two of training camp and what he's seen so far, including just how special are those Andre Kuzmenko spinoramas? That's next on Canuck Central. Canuck Central coming to you from the Kintech studio. Kintech footwear and orthotics. Canada's favorite orthotics provider supported by over 1,500 five-star, 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 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. This hour of Canuck Central is brought to you by Andrew Cherry Limited, your plumbing and heating wholesaler, a proud family-owned BC company helping local business since 1892. You inspired me yesterday, Sat. Oh, I did. Yeah. You told me you were going to have uh, chicken Caesar wraps for dinner. And I did, by the way. And so I made myself some chicken Caesar wraps. Oh, my I had, God. I had already prepped some chicken, you know, so I just went, uh, uh, after work, I went to the store, bought the, the wraps and some, dressing? some Caesar dressing. Did uh, you get, what kind of dressing did you get? Just regular uh, Caesar dressing? Yeah, okay. just regular Caesar dressing. And um, then I was I was on my way home and I realized I I forgot the lettuce. Mm-hmm. It was very disappointing. Not great. I've never had like a more disappointing moment in my life. At least maybe that's recency bias, but. So know. what did you do? Did you order it or did you just order different food? No, I just, uh, I ate the wrap without any lettuce in it. So you just put chicken with some cheese dressing <laughs> and some cheese and that's all you had? Yeah. It was a little dry. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's a little boring, isn't it? No? It could have been better. Uh, I'd say. I could have just went back to the store. Like the grocery store is literally <laughs> around the corner. But you're too lazy. But the game was on by then, so. In any case, that was my Thursday night. Very exciting. Very uh, scintillating. <laughs> Ian McIntyre, uh, Sportsnet's very own triple threat. You read them on sportsnet.ca. You hear them on Sportsnet 650, and you watch on Sportsnet television. And this insider is a presentation of Grip, Auto, and Tire. iMac, what's up? Well, just sitting here in my hotel room about to start tapping out a Nils Hoaglander story on day two of training camp and trying to warm up, to be honest with you. I got a cup of coffee. I've turned the turned the heater on in my room. I didn't need it the first two days I was here. Yeah. But, uh, you know, trying trying to get the creative juices flowing. Maybe you guys will help. When, when you said warm up, I thought, like, you know, warm up as if, you know, you're getting back into writing mode after, after the offseason. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that always takes a warm up, uh, but you but you never know. Sometimes I need to warm up in the middle of the season too, and sometimes uh, when you least expect it, the the words just pour out. Wait, so. wait a second, like how cold is it in Whistler right now? Well, it's not that cold. It's just oh. I was in I was in the cold arena. It's probably ah, 12, yes. twelve or fourteen degrees here, but I just spent four and a half hours inside mm-hmm. an arena, which is you know barely above zero and, and that uh, rink is always extra cold too yeah and and the story uh, i gotta say the story of the day of day two was that the heater above the media section in the stands <laughs> was not working a coincidence i think not <laughs> so so not all nils the, not nils hoaglander the, not andre kuzmenko's spinoramas it was it was the uh the heater 
No, the spinoramas was, was day one. Today, <laughs> yeah. it was all about Hoaglander and the heater. I was looking over at the Canucks staff in the next section, all toasty. You know, <laughs> yeah. their heater's on. I looked to the right and the fans. And luckily, the fans who were there and lots with kids, um, you know, had some heat. But not, not the media. So I'm a little... I, I hope you were giving I've C-Mac the gears. Yeah, I've got that chill in my bones. I don't think it's his fault that the <laughs> arena heater is not working. There was a switch there. Well, I will say, because four years ago, Pedersen's first training camp was in Whistler, and I think that was four years ago now. That same area, the heater was broken then too. So I don't think they fixed it in like four years. Maybe maybe it's once every four years the <laughs> media comes. Yeah. I don't know. But it's the second coldest rink. The, uh, the, the eight rinks where the Canucks had their practice facility in Burnaby for many years is the coldest rink on earth. But this this might be second in Whistler. So uh people don't care by the way. No, I know no. people right now are saying, ah, oh, quit your Just whining. talk about there Nils Hoglander. Yeah. Uh so it, was he as advertised uh, Bruce Boudreaux's own admission, the best player on the ice today, Nils Hoglander? Well I thought he was pretty good. I, I wasn't ready to call him the best player on the ice, but now that Bruce said that. Now I'm going to have to write about him. Although I had talked, I had talked to Nils earlier in the day because I think he's in. I think it's a, a fascinating position that that he is in. We made made so much yesterday of the lines and you know Pedersen with the with the Russians and Pearson back on the first line with with Miller, uh, the the rebuilt entirely rebuilt fourth line and what that might look like and Quinn Hughes on the right side with OEL and somewhere amid all that there was Nils Hoaglander um, sensational rookie two years ago at least in Vancouver he was a sensational rookie on the fifth line which means he's going to have to earn a spot between now and and October 12th or he's he's not going to be on the NHL lineup now a good thing Good thing for him. Lots of time to go, including all the preseason games, and he's going to play a bunch of them. Uh, but it's it's a remarkable change in landscape from a year. I'm trying to think when his when his rookie pandemic season ended in in May. You know, so May until now, what's that? Uh, 16 months ago, mm-hmm. where it looked like, boy, this is another potentially. Like at that time, remember, he was potentially thought of as another core piece. Yeah. You know, nobody was saying he was Pedersen. Nobody was saying, you know, he was going to be Quinn Hughes. But he ha- he was so good or impressive enough, maybe surprising in hindsight is what he was. Surprisingly good in that rookie season during the pandemic when there was so little else to latch on to um, for the Canucks as a positive story that season. And he's he's gone from that, and the discussion of is he going to be a core piece, and how you know how big is he going to be to their future, how important to his their future, to now here he is year three, he's going to have to play his way onto the team. You said that Hoaglander's been good, but you're not sure if he's been the best player through the first two days of camp. Who are some guys that have really impressed you so far? Well, Pedersen has been. Uh, at another level and, and at another level to most of his, his peers. Uh, so that's, that's a very good thing. I was, uh, I couldn't help be impressed yesterday by the skill of his line mates. Although there's still obviously lots of questions about um, both Mikhaev and Kuzmenko with Mikhaev 
okay, like he's got this great speed and, but how, you know, what is his offensive ceiling? Is he going to be able to finish enough? Is he, is it going to matter that he has that speed and gets himself in scoring chances if he doesn't finish enough? And Kuzmenko, there's unbelievable shot release. And to me, really good in traffic, which is, uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, I knew that he wasn't a burner, uh, but he was very quick in traffic, but he also looks to be as tired as anyone at the end of each rep. So uh, I don't know if conditioning's uh, an issue for him, but you know it may well be something that that he has to that he has to improve on. But those those three guys uh, were were really impressive. Um, I, I think that uh, Nils Hoglander has stood out uh Connor Garland has stood out um I think even uh the way that Brock Besser is is skating and playing now it's hard in practices they've they've had you know two two of their three squads have had only one scrimmage it's a half hour scrimmage uh one team has had two games so it's it's really hard to draw too much into it but uh it looks to me like you know Brock who's talked about well, you heard his comments yesterday that this is the year he's going to get 30. Uh, but there's been a lot of talk about his his focus this year. And he has talked about, to me, he's talked about his, his focus this year and how determined he is. And he certainly looks that way. But Hoaglander, Ho, Hoaglander has stood out because he looks quicker. Uh, today, he seemed to be burying everything he threw at the net. And his tenacity in the one-on-one drills, you know, using his body, getting, he's, you know, uh, such a compact, strong player, low to the ice. He gets, he gets under the shoulders uh, of taller players and is able to either win the puck or at least protect the puck. And he has looked, he has looked really good. And I, I, I have to give him some credit for that because we all know there's a history uh, with Travis Green that, that how things look on on day one of training camp is is a a preview of how things might look on day one of the regular season Mm -hmm. I don't think it's any different with Bruce Boudreaux in fact Boudreaux said in his media availability back in Vancouver earlier this week that Mm -hmm. you know he wanted to have a lineup uh, as close as he could to what he thinks will be uh, the NHL lineup when the season starts so he, he wasn't fooling around there's not you know, as much as we've talked about Hughes on the right side, there's not a whole lot of experimenting going on, honestly. And so if you're Nils Hoaglander, you show up to camp and you see you're skating with with Linus Carlson and Nils Amon, who are, you know, really good players, but they're going to be in, in Abbotsford. Um, you're skating with those guys on essentially the fifth line. In fact, you're competing with those guys probably to see – who might be the first player up into the top 12 if somebody's moving up. Um, it, for a young player like Hoaglander, that might be discouraging. It might affect your confidence. But he has looked like a man on a mission so far through two days. I love that you described it as compact and low to the ice. I wish you would say, uh, Dan Reacher, you're compact and low to the ground instead of making short jokes all the time. Well, well you're low to the ground. <laughs> He's hard to knock off the mic. Yes, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about compact. It'd be tough to get around you. I'll say that. Diminutive. Uh, 
could work as well. Uh, Ian McIntyre. You've got good girth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Ian McIntyre, uh, our guest here on uh, on Canuck Central. Uh, so, and, and I haven't made a short joke all all season. No, I I just I I really felt the void over the summer. Like I need it every <laughs> once in a while. Um, there's so many like big storylines. I know, you know, Quinn played the right side today for the first time in a, in a scrimmage. You talked to, in hearing some of the scrums, I, I hear, heard you asking Rathbone about the opportunity that potentially opens up. It, it, it is interesting. Like what happens to the defense? If OEL and Quinn Hughes does work like the Canucks hope it will. Yeah. It, <clears throat> there's, kind of trickle-down effects, and I think uh, an un, very underrated aspect uh, of this, um, uh, or I was going to say experiment, but it's not, it's a little more than an experiment, this this mission, this project, let's call it a project, the Quinn Hughes project, it has trickle-down effects, so an underrated aspect of that is, is uh, Ekman Larson, because I think organizationally they feel like as solid as he was last season as 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 good as he was defensively they can get more out of him and but to get more out of him you have to put him in more you know more positions to have an impact and if you're playing him with Quinn Hughes he's going to play a ton of minutes and he's going to have a lot of chance to make an impact so I think that's I think that's part of it but then also by moving Hughes to the right side if that works it creates more opportunity on the left side. And I think especially for Jack Rathbone, it creates more opportunity because I think it's, it's, it's not um, impossible uh, by any means, but it's a challenge if you're going to have two guys uh, with such similarities as Hughes and Rathbone on the left side. I mean, it's incredible luxury if, if Rathbone turns out to be as good as Hughes, but let's not, let's not go there yet. But he, he is a guy with tremendous uh, potential and skills, but his skills are very similar to what Hughes is, which mm-hmm. is, you know, skates well, moves the puck well, is a little bit undersized, but he's, he's a little sturdier than Quinn, a little bigger than Quinn. But still, can you have two of those guys on your left side, or would mm-hmm. it be better to have someone on the right, someone on the left? So I think it's a little better opportunity for Rathbone or, or someone else. But, you know, we have a long way to go on that project uh, before we we know if Quinn Hughes is going to play uh, on the right. I think they'd really like him to play with OEL, but it's not out of the question that at some point they just swap him mm-hmm. and say, okay, well, OEL has been in the NHL much longer. He's, you know, maybe more uh, adept or more experienced in having to change and adapt. So let's try him on the right and Hughes on the left. But I think the organization really wants to have those two guys together. Yeah, and you know the rest of the battles are inter- interesting because the Kaiser's the only guy that can push somebody down. Really, I mean, I guess if you wanted to get into roster machinations, you can send some guys down to maximize LTIR or whatever. But as far as purely fighting for those eight spots for defensemen, it's only the Kaiser that can really push a Burroughs out, push a Rathbone out. I mean, I'm not sure about Brady Keeper if he's going to be able to push it that far. So, what do you make of what we're seeing so far from a guy like Tucker Pullman? Because we weren't sure about his status. The team said all the right things. He'll be available. He'll be here. He passes physical he's playing through two days of camp does it really look like you know it's full systems go here for tucker pullman we should expect him to play day one of the season well i thought he had a much better day today than yesterday 
yesterday I didn't think he looked very good. I, I think he looked he looked slow. He didn't look confident with the puck. And uh, you know, people were people were going going past him. Uh, today he looked he looked much better. Today he looked like an NHL defenseman. He w- he was moving better. He got up on the rush in the scrimmage and scored a goal. Um, I thought he looked a lot better today. But they're going to have to see this sort of a whole bunch of days in the row before I can answer that that question because we know last time when he came back he lasted less than one period. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a, a whole lot of of mystery and and voodoo when you're talking about you know neurological issues which is what he had as consequences from a migraine i know he doesn't want to talk about that he's trying to move past that i i I totally get that but you you don't just you know you you can feel better but you know there's always something there there's always there's always a danger lurking and i'm speaking from experience with severe symptoms from migraines and by the way by migraines i don't just mean a headache there there is no typical migraine it's not just having a bad headache and being in a dark room it really can be concussion-like symptoms of dizziness and nausea and incredible light sensitivity and all kinds of things uh, can be related to migraines Uh, we don't know because he hasn't shared with it with anyone publicly exactly what those symptoms were but we know that they were very very serious they kept they kept a National Hockey League player making two and a half million dollars a season out uh, off the job for months uh, in the second half of last season. So we know that it was serious. Hopefully um, he is okay, and hopefully he's going to put together a whole bunch of days as strong as today was for him. And if that's the case, then he's very much back in the lineup, back in their plans, and, and has a role. But we need to see a lot more. Elias Patterson, how's he looking? He's, I would say, to me, uh, I would just said that he was the best player from the first two days of training camp. I wouldn't have gone with Nils Hoaglander, although it's it's a good argument, and they've both been, they've both been exceptional. But I think Patterson is skating better. Um than he has he looks uh stronger he also in in talking to him and he's saying all the right things about being a two-way player and and wanting a chance to show the defensive side of his game saying that he would embrace the chance to play against other teams top centers if if he's matched that way uh and it also looks like um he he's uh, embracing the opportunity to play with different wingers. And I was mm-hmm. trying to think how to word that because Pedersen is a world-class offensive player and typically would be playing with the best wingers on this team. Now, maybe, maybe it's going to turn out that Kuzmenko and Mikhaev are two of the best wingers on this team. But, you know, at this stage, uh, they're not, you know, they haven't, done what Brock Besser's done offensively, even though Besser uh, needs to take another step and, and finally get past what he did as a, as a rookie. But there, there's no there's no apparent sulk or anything mm, like that. Yeah. That Pedersen has been the center essentially selected for this experiment to play with these two Russian wingers and see what, 
what happens. He seems to be um, attacking that challenge Mm -hmm. and looks to be making a whole bunch of plays on the ice. I think he's looked great. You you mentioned the sulking thing. I don't, I don't want this to come off as like you know he he sulks and he has you know he's one of those moody players or whatever. But it was notable his first training camp. I mean, going back to the Whistler one, Ian, because remember how impressive he was. Then the second training camp in Victoria, his second season, he was really had that like alpha personality. He wanted to show everybody he's the best player on the ice. And then he seemed a bit timid the the North year in training camp. Then last year things he seemed a little off. Like he obviously didn't show up till later in the preseason and all that sort of stuff. And he he seemed a little behind. So when, when you talk about the body language, how he looks, and that him being dialed in, I think it's very noticeable when you see Patterson like that, and I think that is a really good sign. Yeah, and, and he really, uh, to give him credit, I think had a lot of growth last year mm-hmm. in, in that respect because he had such a such a terrible start. It's it absolutely awful. There's no, other, there's no other way around that. And I think... I think he recognized that. Now, he talks about confidence, and I'm sure for him it, it was confidence, but whatever it was, he was not a very good hockey player in the first, you know, certainly through the time that, that Travis Green got fired. I think he had four goals at that point, and that was a week into December. And as a new coach, and he's got a fresh slate, his ice time goes up, but they start you know, having issues and, and uh, with with health and COVID and other things. And, and pretty soon now he's he's on the third line. He's not on, there, there is no lotto line anymore. He's, he's off on his own and he's playing with a hodgepodge of wingers. And I thought, and I said this at the time, I thought it was probably the best hockey he's played in the NHL at, at times last spring because he was he was it seemed almost on a nightly basis or or maybe every second game he would have a new winger or new wingers and and he just seemed to drive whatever line he was on he seemed to be able to rise the occasion and just drive that line and make 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 his wingers better and of course he scored an absolute bushel of goals in the second half of the season so i think i, I think that was his best hockey in the NHL and so far, two days into training camp, I think he's elevating again. He looks every bit as good as he did then, uh, and, and then some. But again, you have to play other teams, and other teams, real NHL players, not just you know half squads in the preseason before we really know. But all the signs around Pedersen right now are positive. Are you uh, going to get to Nicholas North or uh, any any rounds in before you leave Whistler? Uh, yeah, I was thinking tonight because I was at the <laughs> rink from 10 until 4 and I just started working and then you guys called. And now I'm going to write till about probably 7.30. I think the sun goes down about 7.15. So, it's so a work yeah, trip. I'm, okay. I'm going to light a candle and go out and play nine holes <laughs> yeah. tonight. Yeah, that's a great idea, Richo. Yeah, so I guess you're not going uh, early tomorrow no. morning at 5 a.m.? No, because you have to, well, first of all, tomorrow morning, 5 a.m., it's going to be about 2 degrees, so yes. everyone will be in a frost delay, but then i got to be back at the rink at 9.30. And again, again, as with the heat, I'm not looking for sympathy. I love this job. I'm privileged to do it. And kidding aside, I mean that. Like, I, I don't know how many yeah. training camps this is, too many. It's funny how experience, you know, you get to a point 
where it becomes embarrassing how much experience you have. <laughs> you know, you, you, you year by yourself? year you yeah. add, and it's <laughs> like you start to you you say, "Hey, this is my twelfth training camp," or "I've covered this team for fifteen years." But when you're into my goodness, I just realized I'm now into my fourth decade because I've had three decades. I'm into you know, then it becomes a little embarrassing. That really, this is all I've done with my life is is cover this <laughs> hockey team. But I feel very lucky, very uh, fortunate. It's because you're the best in the business. Uh, iMac, it's good to have you back. Thanks. Can I get that in writing? <laughs> nope. No, I didn't think so. Well, it's nice to be back on with you guys. Uh, There's uh, Ian McIntyre, the triple threat himself. This insider on Sports at 650 was brought to you by Grip Auto and Tire, quality service you can trust and 14 locations to serve you. Canucks preseason coverage on Sportsnet 650 is brought to you by Black and Lee. Suiting up has never been easier with suits and tuxedos in a modern wide range of colors, styles, and fits. Black and Lee. Dot com. The mailbag is next on Canuck Central.